you so much for joining us today on episode number 189 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking more about pacing and effort levels because it's important if you want to be able to run faster or run longer to vary the different types of runs that you do. Today we're going to be focusing on that middle section, all about running in the middle. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today we're talking more about effort levels and different types of pacing when we go out to run, because if you are new to running, or even if you've been running for a long time, you may or may not know that you should be running at different effort levels. We find that this is a mistake that a lot of runners make. A lot of runners, when they first start running, or even, like I said, if they've been running for a long time, they just go out and they just run, right? They, they are not paying attention to their pace. They're not paying attention to how much effort level they, they're putting in. But when you do ask them, when you ask people to kind of go back and think about like how hard was that run, most people tend to fall somewhere in the middle in that like five to six range. Right. A lot of runners go into that five range, especially if they're just going out there like, uh, I just I just run because I need to get a run in at the end of the day. It just helps my brain go better or mm -hmm. they're running to lose weight a lot of the times. They kind of push to this like moderate level and they just kind of hang out there. And that's just what they've always done. That's what it means to go out and run to them is they go out and hit a middle range. Right. And so so if you have ever done one of our five-day challenges, you understand that there should be different types of effort levels. And this is one of the biggest things that we teach inside our Real Life Runners training team. In our method, we teach runners how to spend time at different effort levels and different pacing levels to gain the most benefits, to make the most improvements in the fastest time possible. Right. And so over the years, we've we fine-tuned this plan and tried to figure out exactly how many paces and effort levels we should come up with. And we thumb-wrestled right before the episode began. And so <laughs> today, we're going to carefully critique all 75 different running effort levels that we need to cover. <laughs> right. But in general, we go on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay. So uh, this is... Fine. We'll stick with 1 to 10. We'll stick with 1 to 10 today. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how hard was your run? Basically, it's that simple. You just kind of ask yourself, how much effort did I put forth? One means super duper easy and 10 means super duper hard. And yes, those are scientific terms. Yes, always the scientific terms when we bring up the effort base. And, you know, if you've listened to our podcast before, you know we're, we're strong into the polarized running. Make sure that your easy runs are actually easy so that your hard runs can actually be hard enough. And both of those are, are episodes that we've gone over before. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you can find an episode on the benefits of easy running from us. I'm sure you could probably link that into our show notes. Absolutely. There you go. And one of the biggest things I just want to key in here on easy running is that easy running should, in fact, feel easy. Like, it's all the way down at, like, a 2 out of 10. It should be pretty darn comfortable when you head out there. Right. But we want you to just stay tuned to this episode because we're not just talking about easy running today. So don't just, like... Think to yourself like, oh, I've already heard this before. They're going to talk about easy running. And yes, I understand my running should be easy. There's a lot more to this episode than that because we're actually going to be talking about how much time you really should be spending in that moderate zone, in that level five, that medium pacing. Because a lot of times we do try to tell runners that they're, they spend too much time in that zone, right? And that 
is true for a lot of runners, especially people that are new to our system. So it is true. You should be spending the most of your time at that level two out of 10. Easy running should be about 80% of your training. That's that's a proven scientific point in the literature, like in the last 10 to 15 years. Yes, yes. There's been plenty of studies that are like, okay, let's try half and half. Let's try like 10%. Mm-hmm. 80-20 is actually pretty pretty solid answer to about 80% of your running should be easy recovery type running. Right. And the reason that this is so important that we, the reasons that we promote polarized training, right? Where you're spending a lot of time at the easy pace and then a little bit of time at harder paces is because your body tends to get used to the pace that you run. So if you're always going out every day and running at that medium moderate pacing, your body just gets used to that pace. And so for a while you start making improvement, right? Especially if you're new or um, you're trying to like increase your pace and you just kind of go out and you push at that medium pace, your pace will likely improve at the beginning and then it just kind of stops like it just kind of plateaus and you just kind of stop making any decent gains and a lot of times at this point runners are like well what the heck I don't understand why am I not improving anymore I'm going out and I'm doing the same thing and I've been improving for the last three months why all of a sudden is it harder why am I not getting faster right so then you take a couple of routes from that direction either running is just gets boring because it's the same thing every day or running gets super frustrating because you're no longer progressing right so you tend to choose to just push even harder every single day or to just keep pushing the way you were but just start adding extra mileage to this and there's there's a it gets to a point where you start stop reaping benefits from this or you get injured that's where you stop reaping most of the benefits (laughs) right i mean that can very quickly you know stop a lot of people in their tracks and so you should be spending the majority of your time at that two out of ten level and then ramp some of your running up to a more difficult level. We suggest like a 7 out of 10 or an 8 out of 10 um, as go-to paces when you are starting to sprinkle in those higher level efforts. Um, But you can also use race um, type of paces, right? Like 5K pace or faster than 5K pace as a a guide to how hard you should be going. Right, like I've got a lot of these paces stuck in my head. Like if I go off and run, this is why I'm pretty good at pacing like the kids on our teams mm-hmm. through different workouts. I've paced you through different things because yeah. I can just drop into these paces. So I've got, I got a feel for so many of the numbers in my body, but a lot of people are like, okay, well, if you're going to race a 5k, go like this. And if I tell somebody, okay, if you're going to race a mile, have that effort. And they're like, I've never raced a mile before. Right. Well, I started running when I was 14. I used to race the mile all the time. Like I know what, I know that pain of racing a mile. And so that's like, I did it last week. It is not easy. No, it's a super, super painful thing. Yeah. Okay. But I've got like a, uh, a lot of background in my head of what that sensation feels like. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't. It is very, very uncomfortable. (laughs) A lot of people. Very (laughs) uncomfortable. Simply have, okay, I've raced a 5k. I know that discomfort. Okay. Now ramp it up a little bit from that, but don't sprint. Mm -hmm. That's like you're faster than 5k. It's like a mile ish pace because when we say that it should be faster, that does not mean all out 10 out of 10. Like we, like, Angie just said, most of the faster stuff is like 7 or 8 out of 10. It's quick, but it's not like a full-blown sprint. That's really not the the key workouts needed for distance runners. Right. But you'll soon notice that if you do switch over, if you are 
prone to just going out at that medium to moderate level and you do switch over to a more polarized training where you're doing a lot of running at two out of 10 and you're realizing how comfortable running can be and how joyful and how good running can actually feel, which is a lot of the benefits that people get when they start to run at two out of 10. And then you start to sprinkle in those higher level efforts and you start seeing paces that you've never seen before. Like I love the excitement of our new team members when they start our training plans and they are, you know, doing their first speed workout and they're like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a seven before. I've never seen an eight before, whatever that number is for that person. And it's just so fun to hear the excitement in their voices that they, they're seeing paces. They're like, I know it was only for a minute, but still, you know, it was they're already like in the first couple of weeks of their training plan starting to break through these barriers that they didn't even know that they had these obstacles that they've set for themselves that's why especially with the newer runners i don't i don't even dwell too much of like ooh, are you sure that was a eight out of ten if you're hitting a pace that you've never ever seen before no. because it's just knocking down walls and mm-hmm. that's such a huge thing to be able to move yourself that easy runs are easy so that you feel strong enough on mm-hmm. a hard day that you can ramp it up and be like wow Look at what I was capable of, even if it was only for a minute or only for 30 seconds or whatever the shorter interval was. Look at that pace that I could do. I wonder how long I could hold that pace. I wonder if I could go even faster. It's the anything that starts with I wonder is really opening huge doors in the world of running. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we love to promote in our runners is just that sense of curiosity of like, what could I actually do here? Like, and there's so many times I think that we just kind of get bogged down in our running. Like we just kind of get knocked down by various things. We try to improve and we don't, you know, and and there's just different things. And a lot of runners just kind of accept where they are and they label themselves. Well, I guess I'm just a slow runner or I guess I'll never get faster or this or that. Like these stories, these limiting beliefs that we have for ourselves. And then when they start doing these kinds of workouts, there's just new doors that are open and it's just amazing to see it. It like refreshes their whole idea and their whole um, joy around running and like their sense of excitement. Yeah, so you get these mental benefits pretty quickly because you're mm-hmm. like, wow, running can be really easy and comfortable. And, and fun. And fun. And then running can also be really fast and like I literally felt the wind blowing through my hair. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. But it also, you get these physical benefits because you're hitting into forms of running that you haven't done before. Mm -hmm. So if you've never really focused on those higher speeds, you develop that end pretty quickly. And if you've never really slowed down, you're going to build up the endurance that you haven't been building because you just get too tired too quickly trying to push to moderate effort all of the time. Right. I mean, I know that there's people that have joined our five-day challenge and over the course of five days... You know, just by learning what an L2 pace should feel like and actually going out and implementing that, I mean, there are people that have literally doubled the length of time that they're able to go out and run. Yeah, I've in never five run, days. I've never run more than two miles. I just did five. Right. What? Yeah, and it's just um, it's amazing what different paces can open up for you. So yes, polarized training totally has its place, right? A lot of time at level two, sprinkle in some level seven and level eight. But what about that middle ground? Like, let's go back to that, right? The the natural default for a lot of runners is that middle range, that five to six. So are we saying that you shouldn't spend any time there? No. 
Correct. <laughs> got it. I nailed that <laughs> you one. You got that one. <laughs> okay. So the middle part is not just five. Like if, if you've never heard polarized training, you kind of go out and you tend to run around five. But that middle range, look, if we're saying that two is easy and that seven, eight is hard and that periodically just for fun, you can crank it to a 10. I mean, or, I would you know, say that this one it's goes more, to 11. Yeah. I mean, I would say really eight to 10 would be the hard. Like I would even put seven into that middle range for a lot of times. Yeah, I know. We go back and forth. We argue over what seven really is. We don't argue. We have healthy discussions. Yes. Healthy discussions <laughs> where I'm right. I'm pretty sure. Are you, are, you, are you speaking for me now? Oh, man. <laughs> okay. So, but there's that whole middle range of three, four, five, six, and possibly seven, depending on which one of us you're talking to, mm-hmm. that is the middle ground. There's not just five. There's There's a big range. And a lot of people like to say that they run around five, but I argue that they actually spread themselves throughout this middle range, depending on how they're feeling on a particular day. Sure, of course. I mean, like a lot of times people will run slower on quote unquote bad days, but their effort will actually be more, right? Because if you're going out and you're just tired and you're stressed and maybe your legs are sore from your workout the day before, you might think that that's a bad run because your pace was slower, but your effort might actually be a lot more than it was the day before even if your pace is slower than it was the day before. Or if your pace is exactly the same because you've yeah. got it stuck in your head that this is the pace that you go out and run. Right. Like I go is... out and I run at a 10-minute pace every single day. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. if you suddenly feel bad and you still try and hold that 10-minute pace, that's not five anymore. Like that definitely ramps up on the effort level. And then there's those days that just feel fantastic mm-hmm. where you just you feel good and you're running a little bit faster. But because you feel so good, it's actually easier than a five. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all kind of falls in, into this blurry mid-range gray area in the middle. Right. If you know what you're actually doing, if you know why you're hanging out in the middle and what you're trying to get out of the purpose out of that workout, which I think is the key to training. It's not just the polarized, but knowing what it is that you're trying to get out of that run. Like, are you trying to get just a recovery run in? Then it's really important that you focus on level two. Like, are you just trying to build up some mileage, but you're feeling great? Okay, well then two kind of slid into three and maybe bumped into four a little bit. Cool. If you don't have speed coming the next day, if you have a couple of days to recover from that one, maybe you're feeling a little good and you want to push what's considered easy and you know the next day's an off day. That's fine too. Like you just, you have to know the point of that workout mm-hmm. and that helps really solidify when and and why you would actually try to run in the middle ground. Right, absolutely. Because the middle ground has a lot of really good effects, both mental and physical. So one of those effects is what we like to call the callousing effect. You know, so basically this often comes from longer times spent at like a level three or a level four, which for some people can be marathon pace, right? Like some people might not have ever run a marathon so they really don't know what marathon pace feels like but it's basically that level three or four um so it's harder than easy but it's not really moderate to medium quite yet right right so it's it's kind of in 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 between but it's 
it requires more focus, right? You're, you're not just like going out and going on an easy, relaxed pace. It requires some more focus. It requires some more concerted effort. So that's why we say it's kind of that callousing effect. Right. I love this run. Well, one, I'm, I'm a little nuts that I like this run, but I like this run on a treadmill mm-hmm. because you can kind of tune out a little bit on this one and then your muscles will get the callousing effect. You go out on the road and it's a really great callousing effect for your brain of yeah. like, you have to stay in it because if you if you lose your focus you'll slip back and you'll fall into l2 mm-hmm. or you'll accidentally start cruising along and slide up forward into l5 yep. and suddenly you can't hold that pace anymore like it's tricky to be like all right i'd like to i'd like to kind of push but not push very fast it's like if you've ever driven down like a road like the highway when no one else is out there and you're like I could totally go faster than this. This is completely safe. It's like, yeah, but you you shouldn't go that fast. Like, you have to pay attention. Normally, if there's, like, cars moving down the highway, you just kind of go with the flow of traffic. You look down at the speedometer, and you're going roughly the speed limit. If there's no one else out there, you have to pay attention to your speed, or suddenly you're not going the correct speed. It could be way over, way under. You have to pay attention. Yeah, that was my first speeding ticket ever. (laughs) You know, it's like I had my windows down. I was on my way to my volleyball game when I was 16 years old, and it was just one of those great days. I was just driving along, and I was singing to the music, and I just didn't know how fast I was going. And apparently it was too fast. Apparently it was too fast. Right. So we like to call this this the callousing effect because if you ever think about how like a callus forms, calluses form basically by low levels of friction over a sustained period of time. Like sometimes, you know, that effort is enough to like form a blister and then a callus will form there eventually. But a lot of calluses are just formed because you're just doing you know, the repeated thing over and over and over again. So the skin on that area builds up a bit. And that's the same idea here with these kinds of runs. If you're running at that 3-4, what we like to call a steady pace, it's really just, it's kind of like this, I mean, a callousing effect is a great word for it, right? Because you just have to stay in it physically and also stay in it mentally and really discipline yourself on both ends of it. Right. This is a great kind of run if you're training for a longer race. This was one of the big things that I did in my build-up to the last marathon that I ran is I would just hop on a treadmill and just grind out an hour. Mm -hmm. And over the course of like a three or four-month build-up, on the treadmill, I literally would just go one-tenth faster every time. And I kind of stretched it out until I was going for roughly an hour, and then I would go for an hour just slightly faster, and then just slightly faster. And when you hit just the up arrow, it's literally like three, four, five seconds faster per mile. So it's not doing much. It's just kind of telling your body, okay, I'm totally comfortable at this level. And then then the next week when I did it, it felt the same, but it was just a little bit faster. And then the next week it was just a little bit faster. And before you know it, you're really moving much faster. It just took you a long time to do it. The same way that forming a callus, it takes a long time. You push too hard, that's a blister. Mm -hmm. If you just keep putting just enough pressure on it on a regular basis, that's the callus. Exactly. So then another kind of run that you can do in this middle ground is what a lot of people refer to as lactate or threshold training runs or tempo runs, okay? So tempo runs or lactate threshold runs, however you'd like to refer to them, is basically holding that steady effort level of about five or six for 20 minutes. Now, 
Kevin and I have had lengthy discussions on what a tempo run is or what a lactate threshold run is. And a lot of experts out there agree that it's basically the pace that you're able to hold if you were to go out and run for an hour. And then the way that you put that into practice is that you will go out and instead of holding it for an hour, because you don't want to be racing all the time, you just kind of hold it for a longer period of time. Like for example, 20 minutes. That's that's like the classic tempo run workout is take the pace that you could sustain for an hour, but only do it for 20 minutes and then repeat every week, every other week, something to that effect. And that builds up a certain effect. It helps your body figure out, okay, I'm running fast enough that I'm starting to feel fatigued, but not so fast that I have to slow down right now. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the best benefit of the middle ground and you're doing it with a purpose. You know, if you go off and you just run mindlessly at middle ground pace, you go a little bit faster, you go a little bit slower, your pacing is kind of up and down all over the pace. When you're trying to hit this like threshold, and that's why even if you're not, your pace is slightly off of like the most ideal way of doing it because you'd have to get blood tests and keep pricking your finger in the middle of the run to find the exact perfect pacing for it. Mm. But the key on this is trying to- No, no, no. There's a chart online. Oh yeah, no, no, that's right. And and their watch will tell them the exact pace to go. Um, And there's a chart online that I found that will show, that will tell me the exact to the second. That's right. Um, the pace that I should be running. That's right, because the heart rate monitor on my wrist is reading my heart rate perfectly. Totally accurate, right? Okay, so obviously you guys can can tell that we're being a little sarcastic here, but but here's the thing, right? There's a range to all of these things, right? There's some great trainers out there. There's some great coaching. There's some great scientific researchers and research and like, you know, ways to train runners and and all of that. And and they all have a place. We just caution you to be careful how much weight you put on all of those things. Well, I mean, one of of the coaching people that I really follow and, and strongly believe in Basically, he wrote a whole book on on running and all the scientific principles behind it. And he came up with, essentially, coaches keep coming up with ways to make their athletes faster. And then exercise physiologists go about trying to prove why that works to Mm -hmm. make the runner faster right rather than the other direction rather Mm -hmm. than some scientist in a lab running an experiment and saying oh well you have to do this because that'll make them faster and then the coaches go oh i'll run that workout because you're not a robot like you're an actual human and there's more than simply like this one specific number that you need to put your your training pace at so but let's talk about that number but yes when you're running something like a threshold, that's why I like that term for it rather than tempo that people throw around there. People throw a tempo run as simply like anything at a medium effort for any sort of distance. Threshold sounds like there's a there's a barrier to it. Yeah, like a ceiling. Like a ceiling. And you essentially want to put this run right at the ceiling and not higher. You just want to run right there as steady at that pace as you possibly can. Kind of like putting yourself right at the like orange on the, uh, what's that? It's not your speedometer. It's not your odometer. It's how many RPMs your engine's running at. Yeah, the RPMs. There you go. Where you want to crank it up where you're just enough that you know that you're pushing a little bit, but you're not at all into orange. You're not definitely not going into red, but you're like you're right on the border of that, and you train your body to try and get comfortable running at that 
pace. Okay. So is pace more important here or is effort level more important here? On this run, pace. Okay. Why? You're trying to continuously hold that exact same pace, even as the pain and fatigue builds up more and more in your body. Okay. If you found the pace correctly, you essentially will get to a point where you're not actually getting more tired. You're getting more mentally fatigued. You don't want to be doing that pace anymore, but you really, you found a pace. This is why it's called your lactate threshold. It's where the lactate stops actually building up in your body. It's right before you start like this super flow of like, you can't process the amount of lactate in your body anymore. Mm -hmm. It's the level that it actually is, is steady at. Right. It's, it's the level that your body is actually processing the lactate efficiently enough that you're still able to continue running at that pace. Right. So like one of the terms that a lot of people like to throw out and it's totally incorrect is I ran so hard and now my legs are burning. It's because they're filled with lactic acid, which is not true because your body immediately turns lactic acid into lactate. And people are like, oh, so then I've got the, the lactate. That's what caused the problems. Like, well, not exactly because your body actually takes lactate and uses it as a fuel. As long as you're running at an at a appropriate level, your body will then take the byproduct from one system and use it as a fuel for another one. That's the goal of this pace. The body is so amazing. It's <laughs> freaking awesome. The body is so amazing. Okay, so that's the goal of the threshold pace, okay? And so this is another benefit of somewhere in this medium level. Now, you're not going to get threshold benefits if you're running at a level three or a level four because that's not threshold level, right? So the, again, this is why this middle ground can really be a lot of different things. And so that medium to moderate pace can mean different things based on what exactly you're doing. So there's that way where you could just kind of go out and hold that steady pace, um, that threshold pace for an extended period of time. You can also hold a similar pace over a longer interval with minimal recovery. So for example, we like to give our athletes tempo mile repeats. That's a longer interval, right? Or 10 minutes at tempo pace or 15 minutes at tempo pace. Um, and then a short break and then do it again, right? And so depending on what athlete it is and what they're training for and their experience and all that stuff, that will vary the length of the intervals and also the length of the rest break in between these intervals um, to make sure that it's right for that person. But doing basically tempo repeats or lactate threshold repeats are another way that you can do this, um, especially if you're new to this type of training. Right. This is how um, I, I gradually transitioned Angie into liking the tempo runs. Well, I don't know about liking, but tolerating the tempo runs more. Yes. I, I would say that I like them more for sure than I did because I also have changed my mindset around them to something that I know I need to do because it's my weakness. So I know that when I'm doing those workouts, I'm actually improving on one of my weaknesses and turning it into a strength. So I just kind of reframed that whole idea too. Right. So instead of saying, all right, you have to go out and run 20 minutes, which was awful. And like, I get the reasoning why it was so bad because as you pointed out, and you really were very clear on stating what the problem was. If you go faster, the workout isn't over any sooner. Mm -hmm. Like if you're supposed to go for a 20 minute tempo run, it doesn't matter if you're feeling great and you push it that day, you just have to run further. Yep. You're still going for 20 minutes. So I broke it down and was like, okay, how about four by five minutes? How about two by 10 minutes? How about mm -hmm. like we break it into sections and then put just a little short recovery 
it's physically going to get you similar benefits, not exactly the same, but similar benefits. And mentally, it's not as big of a thing to try and wrap your head around. And it's not as boring. Like that was the <laughs> other thing that I, you know, for me at the beginning, um, now, now I'm, I'm, have a different approach to these but it was also just a boring thing like I was just like oh I just have to stay at this pace and it is very mentally taxing to be in that effort level for that amount of time that's what I don't think it's boring at all I think a 20 minute tempo is like the opposite of boring I, I realize that now <laughs> you know like now I, I see it much differently but then I was just because I don't I also don't think I was doing it right you know like I it's it's takes time to learn these things Completely. right it, it takes time to learn how these things should feel in your body you're like well, I think I'm doing it right but like when you come from that no pain no gain mentality when you come from that I'm just going to go out and I'm going to try to maximize my calorie burn I'm going to try to maximize the um, benefits of every single workout it feels weird to like hold back sometimes right it feels weird to like push hard it feels weird to pull pull back and it's like what am I supposed to be doing here, right? So there's a there's a learning curve to all of this as well, right? And as you learn how to do it and as you get exposed to these kinds of workouts week after week after week, you're building not only physical strength but mental strength as well. Right. Okay, so one of the other things I want to cover in this whole training in the middle ground is how do you train in the middle ground if you predominantly do all of your workouts as a run walk? This is a great topic because this confuses a lot of people, especially like, you know, people on our training team that come in and they're like, but I'm a run walker. Like, so what are you talking about with, with all different effort levels? Does that mean that I need to give up my walking break? Does that mean that my walking break should change? Like, I'm not sure how to adjust here. And there are several different options that will turn your easy runs into medium effort runs. Right. And the good news is if you are on our training team, you don't have to figure any of that out. Well, that's convenient too. <laughs> um, but there, there are a few different ways. Here's the key is at the end of the overall workout, you should be able to look back on the workout and say, that was a medium effort that I put forth. Overall. Overall, yeah. that felt like a medium kind of day. Like that wasn't the kind of day where you're like, you're doubled over, hands on the knees, you went too hard. It wasn't a day that you finished and you're just like, all right, I mean, I guess I should go shower and go to work now, but I mean, that was fine. It's in the middle. It should feel as though you put forth some effort but didn't wreck yourself at all. Okay, so there are a few different ways that you can take care of this. One... Just take your normal easy day run-walk intervals and take the walking portion and shrink it down or take the washing, walking portion and walk faster. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's my first thought on how to do it. Okay. So basically, if you're doing, I don't know, let's say like three ones, instead of like just walking for a minute, you're going to like power walk for that minute, or you're going to turn it from three ones into like three thirties. This is if you're trying to change from easy to medium. If you're changing from an easy, easy to medium. Okay. So start from like the easy. This is saying that like you are used to running a three, one interval and that's, that's normal for you. You can turn that into an easy day. Then going like three thirties would now suddenly be a medium day. Cause you're getting a lot less recovery off of that. Even though you're not even pushing the pace faster, it now just turns the overall day into a medium effort, mm -hmm. okay? Kind of more like that level 3-4 effort because you didn't actually up the speed, but it is harder than an easy run. Right. You could also do shorter running in intervals at a moderate effort, right? So if you tend to go out 
and run at an easy pace, you can just make that pace faster or harder and just shorten up that run interval because people are like, well, I go out and I run three minutes, but I'm running at this pace. And if I go out and I run harder than that, I'm not going to be able to run for three minutes. And it's like, exactly. that's fine. You know, then you don't have to, right? You just shorten that run interval and then you increase the length of your walking to help bring that effort level back down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of the thing is if you're doing three ones, four ones, you could then shrink it and only go for two minutes with a one minute walk and just bring your pace back up. And then you just, you can stretch out the walking interval. If you're like, Ooh, I I feel like I may have pushed that one too much. And I'm now into the hard zone Then stretch the walking interval out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like one of the things on this is making sure that you're, you're pushing if if you've decided to push into the medium by going faster, make sure that that pace is not like, you know, an eight or nine out of 10, that it's still a moderate pace. And if you overshoot, just stretch the running breakout just a little bit more. So the walking, over, break. the walking breakout so that overall it feels like a medium effort. Right. I mean, I think that those are all good suggestions, like in theory, right? It just, it's, it's how it also fits into practice, right? It's how your runs also fit into your training plan as a whole. Like that matters also, right? Because I know that when I was training for my mile, um, when I, I just did the mile time trial last week, the running portion of like some of my workouts was very short, but very intense, very hard, right? I'm, I was doing like 200 meter repeats, 400 meter repeats at a really hard pace, but then I would pull back and I would have like a, a longer extended walking break in between those intervals because when you're hitting those hard paces, you need longer breaks in between so that your body can hit those paces again. Now that's where I'm, I'm talking, you know, up at like a level nine type of pace here. Yeah. I mean, um, you're hitting level nine, 10 on those. Yeah. I was, I was hitting some high end pacing here, but it's, it's still the same, right? Like if I were to look back at the runs, depend, depending on what kind of a run I'm doing, I might say, Oh, like that was a hard run or that was a medium run because I had so much walking break. So I think it's, it's important to also just keep in mind how hard you're pushing during those running intervals as well. Like it's not like if, if you are going out and still pushing at like a level eight, nine, and even if you extend your walking break, that's still not a medium run. Yes. Yes. Excellent. Point. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes. I wasn't quite sure where you were going, but yes, that makes a good point. Like yeah. no matter how long your walking break is, if you're interspersing it with all out sprints, it's yeah. not a medium day. Right. Because like, I mean, when you, give me 3k pace runs like on my calendar to you 3k pace and 3k effort is like much harder when I go out and hit 3k effort I'm like this is not that bad like I don't have the kind (laughs) of 3k workouts are your favorite ones that I ever give you or like maybe I'm just faster and maybe I need faster paces I don't know but like you know sometimes I think that's where this effort level gets in in all the also. Well, yes. Trying to relate your effort levels into exact paces is not a precise science. Effort mm-hmm. levels have some gray area to well, them. Well, and it's also how your body is geared, but we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. But it's, you know, some people are more built for speed and some people are more built for endurance and distance. Maybe we should do that on our next effort, effort level That's podcast. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a really good topic. Come 
Um, coming soon yes. on the Real Life Runners podcast. We're not sure which which episode. Coming, coming yet. in April, we'll do how you're <laughs> built and which workouts are going to feel the easiest. <laughs> there you go. All right, so um, back to just overall moderate paces. Okay, so moderate pace runs have a very important place in your training plan, in your overall training plan, as long as they are not every single run. Do not go out and run every single run at a moderate pace even if you're varied between like oh today I'm doing a level three or level four and then I'll do a level six like even if you're varying within that moderate level you still need the majority of your running to be done at a level two at that easy level right so this is the big thing if if you're doing most of your runs in the middle start polarizing it stretch it down to two and then put in some of the stuff where it's a little bit higher up in that like seven or eight. And if you've not done that, you're going to see huge benefits by doing that. If you've been listening to us for a while, you probably actually follow somewhat polarized. Maybe you're actually work with us or we're, we're helping you put a plan out there and you've got a schedule that says when you're going to, when you're going at different effort levels. That's great. If if you've been running polarized, make sure that you take the time to bring back the medium runs because there are a lot of benefits that you can get by hanging out in that middle zone. When you use them with a goal in mind. Yes, when used with an appropriate goal in mind. So one of the big ones that you get is running more efficiently at longer race distances. Yes. So at something like a 10k a half marathon your efficiency at those paces will improve right. because you're doing a lot more training around those paces right and so by efficiency we mean that it's not going to feel as hard for you to run those paces yes you're going to feel better your body's going to expend less energy it's just going to feel a lot better all around right i mean it goes back to the very beginning lesson your body will simply get really efficient at whatever pace it does a lot at Mm -hmm. now if you've spent a lot of time at five your body's just good at that naturally so your overall training should then really focus more on the twos and the seven and eights if you've left the five behind so you just went so polarized bring the fives back so you can bring some efficiency at that that moderate effort right Level five also allows you to improve like physical strength and helps you to prepare for more mileage at a faster pace, right? We always talk about one of the reasons that runners get injured is that they're they're doing too much, too soon, too often, right? And when you are trying to ramp up mileage, you should not also be trying to ramp up pacing. But when you start to add in a little bit of moderate effort, it's going to make your body stronger and it's going to prepare you for mileage at that faster pace. Right. This is the whole idea of you can't just add mileage to your training plan and think that that's just magically going to make you better. No. Like, okay, well, I was doing 10 miles a week. Now I'm doing 20. Now I'm going to do 30 and it's all just going to work out. Like you have to actually think about what kind of mileage are you cranking up there? Like if your goal is to race a 5K, ultimately you want to get to a place where you can run a lot of your workouts at 5K pace. But you can't just suddenly start knocking out mile upon mile at 5K pace. So you use this moderate effort to say, okay, I'm going to train my body to get used to running 
enough miles at a moderate effort and then I can start transitioning more of those miles into the 5k effort that I really Mm -hmm. want to focus on right like and this concept was totally foreign to me when we first started you know training Kevin first started training me and when I really first started running and first started training for races in order to try to get faster I was like well why wouldn't I just go out and run a 5k and just keep trying to get faster every time I go out because you can't race every single time you go out yeah well I didn't know that like you know and there's a lot of runners that might not right you know like you can't just do that like your body's gonna burn out you're not going to improve like you'll improve to a point and then you'll stop improving or you'll get injured it just doesn't work right that's it it really sets yourself up for mental frustration because it's like I mean I I ran up this for a 5k on Monday and then I came back I tried it again on Wednesday and I was 30 seconds faster I did it again on Friday and it was another 20 seconds faster And then I came out the next week and I got slower. It's like, well, that's eventually you're going to hit a, hit a spot where you have to figure out a, a more productive training method. Right, exactly. Another benefit of the moderate level pacing is that it helps your body to be better at buffering acid buildup in your muscles. All right. Can you explain that one? What do you mean? We already I mean, went through got, this before. Yes. I, I was just saying, can you kind of put this into, into words nice and clearly? Um, so basically, like like Kevin was talking about earlier, like when we are, you know, exerting any sort of effort, our body has different types of energy systems. And there are byproducts, there's the Krebs cycle, there's all sort of all sorts of fun biology that's going on in your body. And basically your body when it produces energy also produces waste. And that waste is acid that kind of builds up and there are hydrogen ions that are floating around. And basically if your body doesn't have enough of the buffer, like so there are these fun little transport guys that come in and grab those hydrogen ions to go back and create more energy. If there's not enough of those buffering um, products, then there's just a lot of free floating hydrogen ions in your body. And that's what actually creates that buildup and that burning sensation. Excellent. Excellent synopsis. Did that did that make it more complicated or less complicated? I mean, should I, I start saying like NAD plus and FADH? No, please don't. <laughs> I I finished that chapter two units ago in biology class. I, um, it is my favorite chapter to teach of the whole you year. You do love teaching the Krebs cycle. I, I really do. So funny. I've learned that so many times throughout my career. Uh, but I mean, I, I went over it, so I thought that the way that you would say it would be just slightly differently. So we've got kind of it, it summed up in a couple of different okay, ways. Gotcha. Right, the other one is your body gets uh, more practice and better at using lactate that is created from these paces, which is what you just said is your energy systems will create these byproducts and some of them make you feel tired, make you feel sore, make you feel the burning sensation. And some of them can actually get reused as other energy sources. Right. Other forms of energy in different energy systems in the body yeah yeah and so basically when you're running at those harder paces when you're in a race for example you want your body to be pulling energy from anywhere you can find it yes so when you when you start training different paces and different effort levels you're training your body to literally use the energy it has more efficiently so it's going through and creating these byproducts okay well how can i use this byproduct for energy and how can i get more use out of these byproducts over here like so that i can just keep the engine running and burning as much fuel as possible right 
And it kind of sums together into the next one where you kind of keep upping the pace that you're able to run before any of these possible fatigue-causing byproducts even form in the first place. Mm -hmm. You try and keep things aerobic for as long as possible. Right, because basically the way your body works, it it uses oxygen to create energy, like in, in... the one system that we're talking about, right? So in that pathway, you start, as long as you have enough oxygen, then your body's just like cycling through and creating energy and you're all good. It's when you start running low on oxygen that these byproducts start building up and then they can be used for different um, energy sources in different pathways. But as long as you have oxygen, then you're good to go with just your your normal, most efficient pathway. So when you do these types of training, then basically you're just teaching your body to become more efficient at using oxygen and creating energy using its main cycle. So then it's not building up any of these fatigue byproducts in the body. Right. Because your body has a huge amount of, of energy and fuel inside of it. If it's able to actually sort of connect the, the energy that you've got trapped in you with the oxygen coming in. AKA fat. Yeah. The, the problem, energy trapped within you. The energy trapped within you, fat. Is fat. It, it literally burns the fat inside your body as long as you can take in enough oxygen. The problem is, is that burning the fat inside of you is a really slow burning process. Right. And so usually it only works if you're not working that hard. Right. Which, you know, in terms of running means you're not going that fast. Mm-hmm. So running at these moderate levels kind of just keeps allowing you to go a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster while your body's still predominantly able to burn fat sources. Right. So then when you're running at slower paces, your body's like, oh, cool, I got this. Like, I can burn like this at higher paces. I'm totally good at this pace. Yeah. So that that's kind of how this this all comes together. It really helps. Uh, it helps improve all of your metabolism just basically right. across so basically, the board. So basically, we just threw a lot of science at you, but basically it, pr- mm-hmm. it improves the way that your body processes energy and creates energy within itself. Right. And the last one, which leaves the world of science behind and goes a little more woo, is the mental resilience that you create by running at level at all of the moderate levels. Oh, there's so much. And this is one of the reasons that I used to hate it. But now (laughs) it's one of the reasons that I actually enjoy it more because I'm seeing this as ways to build mental resilience, which I'm just all about nowadays. Like, show me how I can fail so that I can figure out a better way to do it and then do it better and do it better and do it better. And so when, you know, I, this is definitely something in my mile time trial last week that was so mental. Like, yes, my body was screaming at me, but I wanted to quit like halfway through it. I was like, uh, I feel like my shoes are untied. I feel like my GI tract is about to explode. Like all of these things, my body was screaming at me in so many different ways. And I'm like, maybe I should just quit and try again next week. And I just like had to power through all of those mental things that my brain was trying to throw at me to protect me because it was very uncomfortable. My brain literally thought I was dying, right? And so it was giving me all of these excuses as why as to why I should be stopping. And I just basically told it to shut up. We're just going to keep going. And that's kind of, you know, when you're doing a mile, that's a different thing than, you know, a tempo run for sure. But it's still that mental resilience. It's it's still telling your brain to shut up. This is what we're doing. Like that's one of my favorite things that I say to myself on tempo runs or on steady runs is, 
get on board. This is what we're doing today. Yeah. Like that's just what I tell myself over and over again. Um, get on board body. This is what we're doing today. Get on board brain. This is what we're doing today. Like this is just what we're doing. Right. And you form this resilience so much differently at sustained moderate efforts yeah. than the fast efforts, which don't get me wrong, super hard, but you hold them for a shorter time period mm-hmm. and then you get a rest and you hold it for a short time period and you get a rest. And it's mentally easier to be like, all right, I'm going to hold this effort for a minute, a minute and a half, 45 seconds, like whatever it is, pretty short. And then get a break when you know that you have to sustain it. I mean, on the steady runs we were talking about for 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes, and you're just holding this kind of moderate effort. It's mm-hmm. faster than easy that's tricky and it takes a lot of focus for you. It does. I just pulled out one of these on Saturday and it was actually great, but it was once I wrapped my head around what was happening. Yes. You know, it was like I I did my mile. um, I was running with two friends and the warm-up mile was a little bit quicker than I normally have been warming up lately. And then all of a sudden mile two had like dropped drastically. And I was like, oh, okay. So that's what we're we're doing. And so I basically had the choice at that point of whether or not I was going to pull back and just run on my own because usually my – um, Saturday runs are like longer, slower, easier runs, but I had only done a little bit of speed work last week. I had just done my mile time trial. So I had some free space available for some speed work <laughs> in my schedule. And so I was like, all right, like I'll get on board with this. I'll do a steady state run because that's basically the pace that we're right. hitting. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Like, and so it was a steady state run. And as soon as I like, wrap my head around it, then I was good to go. And it's nice because then you had people with you. Mm-hmm. It's still tricky. You still have to pay attention to what's going on. But it is really nice to have a group of people because you can gain the physical benefits and just kind of go along for the ride on that one. Yeah, exactly. So if you are trying to play with different effort levels, we just encourage you to don't just do all of your training at level two and don't just do all of your training at level five. Make sure that you're sprinkling lots of stuff in throughout because there's so many benefits that you can be getting by running at different paces, by running at different effort levels. It is so important for you to have a variety of different runs of different workouts in your training schedule um, week after week because that's how you're going to build your body into being the most efficient runner and the best runner that you can be. That's the best part of making training plans. It's a fun little puzzle to try and figure out like mm-hmm. what what paces do people need? Which effort levels are they missing out on? Yeah. What, what's the goal race and which effort levels are going to be the most beneficial to build to get to that goal race? Mm-hmm. It's so much fun to put the plans together. In yeah, that. I know. It, 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 I love watching you put them together. They're <laughs> super, they're great. And, and our athletes love running them, you know, like especially people that have never been on any sort of like training plan or training system before, like in their discovering all sorts sorts of really fun new ways to train like it's really really awesome to see how quickly people make huge gains in their progress um so anywho that's what we've got for you guys today we hope it's helpful you know if you're if you like to make your own training plan make sure that you're sprinkling different things in there you know if you're trying to figure it out on your own and and figure out what's best for you you should really be doing that. You know, make sure that you're doing the majority at level two, sprinkle in some level eight, and then do some stuff at that level three, level four, five, six, you know, do different things. Um, And if you're curious on how you should be 
including incorporating these types of things in your workout and you want a plan that's based on our proven Real Life Runners training system, you can sign up for our waiting list for our Real Life Runners training team. It's not currently open. We're not currently accepting new clients because we are taking care of all of our new members from February. We're making sure everybody's good to go and we'll be opening up um, the program soon here again in March. So if you want to get on the waiting list so that you can be the first one notified, we are limiting enrollment every month so that we can, again, make sure that we're taking good care of everybody that joins our team, that everybody is on board and knows what's going on. So um, we do limit enrollment every month into the program. So if you want to be the first ones to know, you can head over to realliferunners.com forward slash team and you can sign up for our waiting list there and you'll be the first ones notified when the team is reopened for enrollment um, this month. So as always, guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot us an email. And if you haven't yet, also head over and leave us a review over on iTunes because that allows more people to find us and to gain the massive benefits that so many of you have gained from listening to the podcast every week. So thank you for spending this time with us. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 189. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching, along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there.